When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to WrestleWolf. I am your host, Damian Gibson, and this is WrestleWolf's review of the horror show at Extreme Rules 2020. Uh, this was a WWE pay-per-view uh, that happened today, and I'm just going to quickly go through the card. I watched it pretty much as it was happening. I don't know if you guys had the same thing, though, where I... When you go onto the network and the show is still happening, it gives you two options where you can either watch live, you can, you know, if it's in the second hour, you can be placed, you know, as it's happening, uh, or you can watch from the start. Like, like six or seven times I was like from the start and it was just kept dropping me into the live part of the stream. And I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, managed to avoid all spoilers though, which was which was good. Um, on the kickoff show, which I didn't realise this was happening, otherwise I would have watched it, uh, Kevin Owens defeated Murphy in a one-on-one match, um, which sort of suggests that Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, who we'll talk about later, uh, may reignite their feud, um, which I would be happy about. I mean, the blow off for that was only at WrestleMania. So, I mean, it's a little soon, I think, to maybe go running back to that storyline. Uh, but they work very well off each other. And also this kind of, the whole Monday Night Messiah character was born of Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens essentially told him to shut up when he was trying to talk about how he carries the brand on his back and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird when you think about the storyline in that way because ultimately... Seth was just saying, I mean, he was being a dick about it, but he was saying like, you know, I feel like I do a lot of work here and no one else does uh, on the back of them losing Survivor Series. Anyway, what am I talking about? Pay-per-views that happened 12 months ago. Uh, First up, we had uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura versus The New Day um, in a tables match. It was kind of easy to forget that this was an Extreme Rules pay-per-view, and I I promised myself that I wouldn't be super negative, and I'm not going to be, but I just think the Extreme Rules pay-per-view as a concept has become so diluted over the years that, I don't know, when you get to it, 
Like, one, we know it's the PG era, so it's not going to really live up to anyone's expectations, especially if you're as old as someone like myself and uh, remember ECW or even WWE hardcore matches or WCW hardcore matches, these sort of pale in comparison. Not to say that the guys and girls don't put their bodies on the line, they do, but it's just with the PG era happening, it seems almost pointless to kind of do it. But I I suppose it breaks it up. It, It also backs you into a corner with booking because you've got this particular pay-per-view on the horizon and you've got to do all the booking around it. Um, So you kind of end up with a match like this where it's like, well, it's a tag team match and we're going to have a ladder, you know, well, it might as well have been a ladder match. (laughs) We're going to have a tables match because, you know, Devon get the tables uh, so we, you know, we ended up having what every tables match is, a whole bunch of convoluted uh, situations where people almost get put through tables and don't. Two tables were stacked upon each other and they kind of just sat there ominously for the you know, second half of the match. And, you know, someone's going to take a giant bump through those <laughs> tables. And that someone was Kofi Kingston. And, oh boy, did he take... A big bump. And Shinsuke and Cesaro, guys, fucking <laughs> drop the streamers. They've won something. I don't I don't know if you know how big a deal this is for like for either of these guys to actually win something. Um yes, they should both be single stars in their own right, but I'll take it. You know, tag team champs, fine, great. Yeah, and probably a warranted pat on the back for all the work they did with Sami Zayn before, before the um, the vid got in way got in the way of that storyline. Uh, next up, we had the SmackDown Women's Champion match between Bailey and Nikki Cross. And beforehand, we had uh, Nikki Cross getting a pep talk from Alexa Bliss um, and uh, Oscar and Kyrie Sane. God, I almost completely forgot who she was for a second. Uh, telling her that they believed in her and she could she could do it um, and, and win the belt. And um, she did. Initially, she came out roaring and got a lot more offense into this uh, in this match than I, than I thought she may have. I think there are little... Uh, well, I mean, it's fairly obvious, I think, watching it, that Nikki Cross is going to revert to her NXT character, um, which is kind of between her. She's not really a heel or a face because she's too mental um, to be considered either. She kind of just does whatever she wants. Um, I think after losing this match, she will revert to this character. And that's cool. I'm down with that. And Bailey and Sasha were at their just arsehole-ish best. Um, it was very apparent that Bailey was not going to be able to win this match, uh, which she did, uh, by pure wrestling alone. So she does what a heel did. Does, uh, she does what a heel does best and uh, cheats. She she got given one of the bosses uh, boss rings. Uh, punched Nikki right in the in the guts and um, basically got the win from there. Meaning that uh, they get to retain all the gold and uh, might end up with all the women's championships match, all the championship belts if uh, Sasha ends up getting the win later on in the night. 
This is where things started to get a little bit weird, and there's been a lot of backlash online about some of the booking and results on this match, which I personally didn't have a huge problem with, but I can understand where a lot of the kids are coming from. Yes, so the next match was the United States Championship match, which had been billed as a match between MVP and Apollo Crews, and there'd been quite a bit of build-up towards this. Uh, with MVP unveiling the new United States Championship belt, uh, which I love, by the way, even though there is a bit of a cock and balls uh, slip up there that um, I'll I'll put a I'll put a photo up on the social so you can see. But besides that, uh, maybe I won't because it, it does really ruin the belt for you once it gets pointed out to you. But um, yeah, new belt. MVP having new lease of life and actually doing some really good work, I think. Anyway, he comes out and basically declares himself as the new United States champion uh, because Apollo Crews didn't pass a medical and couldn't compete in the match. So he essentially just walks over, unveils the new belt and gets uh, Bobby Lashley to stick it on him and they just walk off. And the commentators are saying... Surely he can't just declare himself the United States champion. But his argument, MVP's argument, is he won via forfeit. So, which, to be fair, if it was a basketball game, you know, at your local uh, basketball stadium and the other team didn't show up, you would win. So, you know. Um, so MVP is the United States champion. <laughs> this 2020 is a weird year, man. Next up, we had the eye for an eye match. Seth Rollins defeated Rey Mysterio. This match was... How do I describe it? I was going to say over the top, but I feel like that's a very... It's a really sort of cliched way of describing something that's different. People constantly talk about how they want a return to the Attitude Era and they want different kind of booking. They want different kind of matches. And and even myself, I have to... I'm put my hand up and, and say I'm guilty of this. A lot of the time when WWE give this to us, we just spit it back in their face. Um, and I've seen a lot of commentary along the lines of, um, online, of, oh, this match was so dumb. You know, but I loved it. I kind of like mark, smark. But, oh, <laughs> I know it's not real wrestling, but I still loved it. And... I actually genuinely thought this told a really compelling story. Now, obviously, if you just walked in off the street and watched this, you'd be like, this is ridiculous. But the the story was set up. Ray, you know, Seth blinded Ray. Ray was so angry about the whole situation and, and Seth essentially, you know, trying to get uh, Dominic Ray's son to join his his group, his cult, his church, um, that Ray made a bad decision and, and asked for an eye for an eye match. And that Seth is so far gone that not only did he accept it, he ended up removing Ray's other eye. And I love the fact that they went through with this. There was no there was no bullshit schmoz finish there was none like i mean the the whole the, the stipulation meant that there was going to be a schmoz finish but you know seth genuinely 
took Ray's other eye. And so now, like, until the end of time, we have to say Seth Rollins legitimately, in kayfabe, blinded Rey Mysterio. And I want to say dumber sentences like that when we're talking about wrestling. You know, as much as I have enjoyed AEW's sort of take of like rankings and, you know, making it more like sport, and that's cool, and I do like that. I think WWE have always succeeded when they have been weird, you know, and when they have let their instincts guide them, you know, and people never shut up about the Attitude Era, even though I don't think it was the best period for wrestling. What was really cool about the Attitude Era era for me was that the storylines were interesting. Even if a lot of them were dumb, we still remember them, right? Um, And this is a story that people will remember. And you've done your job as a booker if you do that. And I... I thought the actual wrestling was really good in this. A lot of the times, a lot of times with these sort of stipulation matches, they can concentrate too much on only trying to go for the eyes and then it just looks ridiculous. You know, you've still got to fight the other person um, and try and take advantage when you can. And they both did that. Um, You know, Ray had a bag filled with ice picks and stuff like that. Seth Rollins tried to use a pen at one stage and... Uh, a kendo stick was split into splinters and that was used. And um, and then eventually Seth used the, the steps the same way he did the first time. And um, it was very brief, but there was an eyeball hanging out of Ray's head. <laughs> if they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for CGI for that, it's a pretty good job. Um, I feel like that's been thrown out there as, a, as Mark Chum. You know, the CGI thing. But look, overall, I really enjoyed the Seth afterwards sort of realizing what he'd done. Staggered over near one of the um, ice hockey panes and just vomited all over the floor. Uh, and then we had a bit of a Game of Thrones sort of reference where the crowd really turned on him. Uh, almost like, you know, if they could get through that Perspex glass, um, <laughs> they would rip him apart. Um and he sort of wandered off ashamed at what he had done. Um, but I like this character of Seth. Of like he he does these things and then once they're done, he sort of goes into this trance of guilt and shame and reconciling with himself. And it's actually genuinely interesting storytelling and uh, something that, you know, would make me consider tuning into Raw tomorrow. And also, you know, it's a very sort of tidy way of getting Ray some time off as well while they work out the, you know, real-life contract negotiations. Uh, next up, we had the women's uh, title match between Oscar and Sasha Banks. And I think my take on this is going to be relatively controversial as well, considering internet Twitter did not like the ending of this match. These two are considered great wrestlers, right? And they are. And so everyone went into this match because there were no real stipulations or anything like that. Everyone went into this match going, we're just going to get a straight wrestling match and it's going to be high spot galore and they're going to hit hard and it's going to be awesome. And Sasha will lose and that will start the feud between Bailey and Sasha that we're all craving so much. And none of that happened. Well, the match happened. Uh, and the girls were really, really beating the shit out of each other, <laughs> especially Oscar to Sasha. Sasha took some 
massive bumps. Um, some German suplexes that you know Sasha really got very close to landing on her neck on. But you know they know what they're doing, um, <laughs> so they don't need me to worry for them. Uh, but the most important, like the most interesting part of this match is is what happened at the end. There was. Sasha went up to the top rope. I'm not sure whether she purposely fell off or whether it was a botched spot. Either way, they moved it into the... If it was a botch, they moved it into the story really well. And Sasha's knee had buckled. Um, while she was trying to get back onto her feet, you saw uh, Oscar roll over and be handed something by Kairi Sane, who was at ringside with Oscar. Sasha finally gets to her feet. Uh, Oscar goes to... Green mist her in a spit or spray the green mist uh, at Sasha, which, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I will. Uh, should we be doing mist spots in the middle of a pandemic? You know what I mean? <laughs> I just, you know, I know 40-year-old people are not going to be trying to spit green mist on each other, but kids do watch this show, you know. I just, anyway, that's... For another time, that conversation. Sasha ducks out of the way of the green mist, gets the ref in the face. While this happens, uh, Bailey jumps into the ring, hits Oscar with one of the tag belts. Um, but the ref is he's rendered uh, obsolete. He can't do anything. Bailey walks over, pull, rips the ref's shirt off him, puts it on herself, uh, gets Sasha to pin. Oscar, and then one, two, three, she walks over, threatens the timekeeper, says, ring the bell. She proclaims Sasha as the new Raw Women's Champion and hands her the belt, and they off they go. Um, now, I think what has happened here is that people wanted a really good wrestling match with a clean finish, and they're not happy that they didn't get that. And... I can empathize as someone who does an NXT review every week. You get this every week. Um, I think from a storytelling point of view, though, it's actually kind of good because it shows that Bailey and Sasha are at a point where they're out of control. They just, they, they think that they run, like, rather than telling us that they run the place, you know, like I'm the bro that runs the show or whatever, they're doing it by just taking belts for themselves now. Like, they're just going into business for themselves. I'll have that belt. I'll have that belt. Now, both of them have a championship belt as well. So when when this house of cards does fall over, there's so much riding on it. You know, they have every women's belt in the company now between the two of them. So um, also, like... You can have, you know, it's a false, it's not a real title reign. So Bailey is a real champion, Sasha is not. And so, you know, Sasha can now turn on Bailey and say, well, the only reason that you went to those lengths is because you weren't willing to let me challenge you for the belt. That kind of thing. Um, and it also means that Oscar can chase Sasha for a bit as well. So, I actually didn't have any problems with this. I was a little confused at first uh, for the first couple of minutes, but then afterwards, you know, sort of thinking it through while it was happening, I was like, oh, no, this is this is pretty good. Um, especially the false champion, real champion 
angle that you can have between Bailey and Sasha. I'm actually looking forward to that. Um, might actually make me watch SmackDown regularly. Uh, next up, we had um, the WWE Championship match between Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. And this was another piece of booking that I've seen criticized online that I really liked. Drew McIntyre um, was uh, to choose the stipulation and he was keeping it a secret. So I liked this, that he wasn't going to tell Drew until the match, which he did. They both came out to the match and he grabbed the mic and Dolph said, well, my stipulation is that the match is extreme rules. Uh, and it actually heard one of the <laughs> one of the NXT guys go, oh, that's original. Uh, and then he was like, ah, but the rules only apply for me. Um, so basically Drew could do whatever he wanted. To, uh, sorry, Dolph could do whatever he wanted to Drew McIntyre and Drew McIntyre had to fight clean. And I love this stipulation. I'm sure it's been done before, but I haven't seen it. Um, and it fits really well with a heel, the kind of heel that, that Dolph is. He's so obsessed with beating Drew McIntyre and showing that, you know, he was the real reason why Drew McIntyre was the champion and blah, 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 blah. Um, that he'll go to these lengths. And also, you know, it's that kind of thing of like, well, if he's a really bad guy and he's got the opportunity to choose a stipulation, why wouldn't be this, the stipulation be, you can't hit me? Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you think about it over 40, 50 years of wrestlers choosing the stipulation and never just doing what people would do in real life and say, okay, you can't hit me. Only I can hit you. I mean, this is the closest we've ever got to that. I think it's great. Um, and both the guys did a really good job of telling that story through that stipulation. Uh, you know, Dove kept trying to uh, hit, hit Drew with all these different toys that he found around the place and Drew was managing to, to counter the majority of it. I mean, not at any point did I really think that Dolph Ziggler was going to beat Drew McIntyre, but he gave him a decent run for his money. And ultimately, this makes Drew look bigger Again, because he's managed to beat Dolph Ziggler, who looked good in this match. And you forget how good a worker he is, you know, because his character is so... It's even less, you know, defined now than it was five, six years ago. And you could say that he was a pretty bland kind of heel then. He used to have the show-off, right? Like, and that was... That's something that you can hang your hat on. Now it's like... What is Dolph Ziggler? You know, like, what is his character? I mean, there's a lot of this in WWE and AEW um, where it's like, what are you? Who are you? You know, like, and this seems to be what a lot of people want. They want just like beige cookie cutter characters, but at least there was some heel behavior going on in this match, even if there wasn't a real character of such that Dolph was playing. Um. Anyway, Drew got the win with a Claymore, of course. Um, but I just, I loved all of this. I thought it was good storytelling right up until the match. The match, the storytelling in the match was fantastic. And I think, you know, it made Dolph look like a smart heel. And the heels are meant to be smarter than the faces. I think this worked on any level you can think of. And it might have been the best match of the, of the night. Uh, next up, we had the <laughs> Swamp Fight. That's literally the name of it. Uh, between The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and um, and Braun Strowman. This is, was a cinematic match. 
Uh, Bray Wyatt specializes in, in these. Any sort of um, any time that Bray Wyatt has the ability to be as creative as he can be, um, I'm up for it. And this was another one of those uh, situations. You know, immediately I've heard people say, oh, it's not as good as the Firefly Funhouse. I, I don't know if anything will be as good as that. That's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in wrestling. Um, but this, I mean, this told a story. I think, I think I'm going to say what needs to be said about Braun Strowman. And that is, he is your typical WWE big guy that... When you first see him, you're like, holy shit, look at that guy. And then, you know, where he's usually a heel. And so for the first six, 12 months, you're like, okay, that's believable. That's scary. And then because Vince is a big guy and a body guy, ultimately they get turned face and they're boring because they haven't been hired because of their in-ring skills. They haven't been hired because of their mic skills. They've been hired because of the way that they look. Oh, we'll sort it out later. And what's becoming, to me anyway, very apparent with Braun Strowman, is that he doesn't have any charisma whatsoever uh, on camera. Uh, He might be a very nice guy in real life, I'm not sure. Um, I don't talk about the wrestlers' real lives. I talk about what they do on this. And I, I think if anyone was walking away from this swamp, uh, fight uh, vignette. Uh, well, it's not really a vignette, is it? A cinematic match. Feeling a little let down is I think you look at the who Bray Wyatt was working with. In the first one, he's working with John Cena. In the second one, he's working with Bray Wyatt. I think it's pretty obvious what the difference is. Uh, anyway, Braun Strowman got to the... I assume it's the... Wyatt compound. Um, he sees Bray Wyatt in a rocking chair. Bray Wyatt says, uh, Braun Strowman says, I'm home. Bray Wyatt, the lights go out. I assume it's the to symbolize the fire fireflies going out. Uh, and then when the, the fireflies come back on, uh, Bray's disappeared. Uh, Braun picks up the, the chair and throws it at a sign. Um, and then goes off into the into the swamp or into the jungle, I suppose you would call it. Uh, he comes across like henchmen, like yeah, like cult henchmen, I suppose. And he deals with them pretty easily. Uh, eventually, Bray reappears and hits him over the head with a shovel. And he wakes up. He's chained to a chair in what seems to be like a garage kind of situation. Uh, Bray cuts a, a promo that goes for a really long time. This is probably my biggest um, criticism of this whole thing was that when this was my criticism of uh, Bray Wyatt, the cult leader, previously in the previous incarnation, is that Bray's promos could tend to go way too long and a lot of the time just sort of veer off into not... They're not they weren't... They weren't narrative. It was just showing off that like, hey, look, I can talk like this for five minutes, ten minutes, you know, and none of it really means anything. Um, 
I mean, the, if you listen to what he's saying, it, it kind of is. He was basically saying, you're a hero now, but eventually your 15 minutes of fame is going to fade. And when it does, who's going to be there for you? I am. Uh, then, like, Sister Abigail comes along with a snake, and the snake bites Braun Strowman. <laughs> this is real. Uh, Braun Strowman uh, wakes up basically back where he had been hit in the head with the shovel. Um, and then all of a sudden he gets attacked by this guy who is essentially a henchman again, but is like huge. He's like bigger than Braun Strowman, which in itself is like a massive effort. <laughs> and um, he's very obviously a a stuntman. And this, uh, by the way, this fight is taking place next to a campfire. So it's just only a matter of time before the stuntman gets kicked into the fire. And he does. And uh, he goes running off into the into the jungle on fire. Next, uh, Braun starts hearing like this voice, and it's Sister Abigail, but the voice sounds familiar, saying "Come home, come home." Um, and then eventually, the Sister Abigail lifts her veil, and it's Alexa Bliss. Uh, and then there's sort of like a continuation on when they were ma- mixed tag team partners that there was like this sort of romance insinuated um and that Braun she was like I know you always wanted to be with me just come home and you can be and Braun's like oh oh and you know if Alexa Bliss was saying hey come home with me I'd be like oh as well (laughs) and then uh Bray uh jumps out of nowhere and starts attacking Braun's eyes and uh, they sort of wander off to, well, not wander off, they, they sort of fight off in towards the, the swamp. We finally get to the swamp. And there's a whole bunch of sort of swampish type things where Braun thinks he gets Bray and he puts him in a boat and pushes the boat off and then the boat swings around and comes back. When Braun looks in the boat, Bray's not there. He reappears again. A lot of this kind of like jump scare type stuff that I gotta say on one occasion really did get me. Um, and <laughs> Uh, it ends with Braun uh, kicking Bray off like a little pier into the swamp. And he says, it's over. And the little WWE logo comes up in the corner of the screen. And you think, oh, I was like, oh, that's kind of a bit of a lame. And Bray jumps out of the out of the swamp, mandible claws Braun, and then like rips him down into the swamp. The swamp turns red. And the fiend walks out, stares at the camera and says, let me in. And that's it. That's the end of the pay-per-view. And I like this. Uh, It wasn't a title match, so I suppose they could have gone a little more crazy with this. But it does raise, like, what has happened throughout this pay-per-view? The MVP thing, um, like just taking the belt himself, uh, Sasha and Bailey. Also just taking the, the belt for themselves. And I think Bray killed Braun. These are all things that need to be addressed. And it will make people watch Raw and Smackdown. It's usually... It's kind of weird that they're using pay-per-views to get eyeballs to the weekly shows. But if that's what they need to do to get ratings up, 
I think they've probably succeeded. Unless people are so angry that they don't, that they stop watching WWE. But for the Russell on fans, you know, they're, they're going to go and check this out. And I'm interested to see what the resolution is of all three of those storylines. Like, my biggest gripe with WWE over the past, oh, God, five, let's say five years. Um, it's longer than that, but let's just say five. Is that they tend to, there is a lot of like, here are two wrestlers who are fighting because they are wrestlers, which in itself is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Like, but it's a weekly, it's TV. There needs to be narrative. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, it's not, it's not real sport, you know, like there's a reason why entertainment is in the name of the company. Uh, And I was entertained watching this, not out of my seat, but enough for me to be like, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. There's, there wasn't much of me going, ugh, that's awful. Um, yeah, I gotta, I'm gonna give this a thumbs up. Like, I know that's someone else's gimmick, so sorry, but <laughs> genuinely, I, th- I thought it was pretty good. I did not have high expectations for this pay per view at all, and it was okay. It was all right. It was fun. Um, and it'll make me a little bit more interested in Raw and SmackDown uh, going forward in the next couple of weeks. So I think this is a solid 7.5 out of 10 uh, for the pay-per-view. You know, nothing spectacular, but nothing uh, awful. I I just think the reaction to some of the booking, I think the MVP thing is probably something to do with Apollo Crews being ill, um, or being in contact with people who are ill, so they've done the best that they can on the fly there. Um, and I think the Sasha and, and Bailey thing that people seem to be kicking up a stink about—it's a—it's a work. It's a story, kids. Like there's more to it. Um, if, if it turns out that Sasha is just Raw champion now, and we don't see Oscar for six months, then yes, that's awful booking. But I can almost guarantee you that's not what's going to happen. Yeah, what happens with Bray and Braun? I'm really interested to see what happens with that. Uh, because with John Cena, with the Firefly Funhouse, that, the longer it goes on, the more it feels like, yeah, that, like, Bray Wyatt killed John Cena? Um, <laughs> question mark? Uh, or at least, like, ruined him. So I really hope we don't just have Braun show up on SmackDown this week. You know, like, nothing happened. Unless he reappears, unless they, but I really don't want them to do this Bray Wyatt gimmick again. I think the Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family gimmick is done. So, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm interested and I, you know, gee, it's been, it's been a few weeks at the very least where I can say that about the main roster on WWE. Cool. I'm going to leave it there, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying any of the podcasts, uh, you can check out our weekly AEW show that I do with uh, the Enigma Matthew, uh, our weekly NXT shows that I do on my own, uh, or our new podcast, which is a weekly review of WCW Nitro, which I also do with uh, young Matthew, where we are going through Nitro. And man, seriously, just having so much fun doing it. We've already recorded a few episodes um, to have in the bank um, because we can. 
um, we sort of worked that out. I was like, oh yeah, we can <laughs> we can do a whole bunch of episodes and have them in again. Um, so yeah, we've done a few weeks of those, and and God, there's so much fun to watch and to record. So I really hope um, if you're enjoying these, you can and check the uh, especially the WCW one. Really, really like that uh, that podcast. Really want you guys to hear it. Uh, yeah, rate and review. Follow us on the social medias. We are WrestleWolf Pod on all the socials, or you can write to us at WrestleWolf Podcast at Gmail. Uh, and until AW this week, stay safe.